the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, the media. To watch the ongoing media propaganda, it's like watching Pravda. Yeah, I used to be a liberal, too. Because parents are, I think we are a little bit too complacent sometimes about, oh, how bad can it be? It's very bad. Because you cannot be truly conservative and be advocating for so-called rights on the basis of what God says is a sin. Yep, I used to be a liberal too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still, still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com. That's missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news, articles, and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to read my weekly column on WorldNet Daily. That's WND.com and also BarbWire.com and elsewhere out on the web. And be sure to order my book, which is written especially for teens, and it's called Maybe He's Not Gay, Another View on Homosexuality. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. So I have a question for you. How can our churches get more involved in changing this very stressful and changeable culture? I'm sure you have thought, as I have, about this many times and in respect to the many um, controversial issues that we face today in America. But we're going to talk to someone today who has some answers, who heads up an effort at a major church and also nationally to help congregations establish what are called cultural impact teams. And Gina Gleason is the executive director of Faith and Public Policy, which is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. And she is widely recognized as a pioneering leader in the field of cultural impact team training. She helps lay leaders as they start uh, start these church ministry teams designed to monitor cultural events, legislation, and elections, both for the pastor and the congregation. She's developed access to resources and strategies with step-by-step guidance for both the new and the experienced leader in this field in the congregation. And she'll tell us more about websites where you can get more information. Gina's been on the staff of Calvary Chapel Chino Hills for eight years, and she and her husband, John, have been married for over 40 years and reside in Southern California. Welcome to Mission America Radio, Gina. So glad to be with you, Linda. Great to have you with us. And, you know, you and I have been in touch over the years, and uh, 
uh, I have observed mostly from afar uh, your development of this whole ministry, and it's uh, and you're getting more and more press and more and more recognition. And so, tell us how um, you got involved with this with Calvary Chapel. Well, I, I ended up at a church that already had an exist, existing culture impact team. So by the grace of God, I ended up at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. But I also was blessed to have a pastor who was just very aware of the things that were taking place in the culture and just felt that we needed to speak up as a church about some of these issues that we're facing um, in, in the nation and especially in Southern California. So I became leader of the ministry and um, just developed some of these different activities and projects, and I would really like to give the Lord the credit for it all because I didn't have um, a background in this, but I just um, felt that um, there was different things that we can do to address things like legislation, for instance, coming out of our state capitol in Washington, D.C. So I just, you know, by the grace of God, learned how to um, respond and effectively um, teach Christians how to uh, stand for righteousness in the public square. Yes, that's so needed today. And obviously it starts with the person who has the heart for it, which you do, uh, and for and where God has called you. I, I know from my own experience, God called me to cover some very controversial issues, and my mm, first yeah. first response was, what? <laughs> like, are you me? kidding me? <laughs> um, I can't do that. And boy, I don't really want to do that. But you know, he not only equips you and keeps bringing it before you, but he shows you how to do it, doesn't it? Brings other people exactly. along the way. That's my experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time it, it, it's all over, you're actually liking what you're doing, things that you never thought you would. You, oh, that's so difficult. Well, you know, it's, it leads you with in touch with people like I'm in touch with you and all the wonderful people I've met. And I'm sure you have the same Exactly. Uh, experience. So here is part of what um, your faith and public policy, by the way, let's give out the website for your faith and public policy. Yes, it's www.faithandpublicpolicy.org. Okay. All spelled out. Okay. So here's what part of your, you state is your purpose. The focus of faith and public policy is to educate, equip, and encourage pastors and church leaders as they work to uphold a Judeo-Christian worldview in all spheres of society, culture, and public policy. We provide information, resources, and tools to equip these leaders to promote and defend a Judeo-Christian worldview in the public square, and to accomplish to accomplish this, we assist church leadership in the establishment or expansion of cultural impact ministries. And so this is not, obviously, you're in California, but this is not just California. Tell me how you've worked with um, a lot of local congregations. Tell me how this kind of begins. Mostly I meet um, uh, people from across the country at conferences or someone is referred to me. So um, it's easy for me to take all the information that we have on our website and share with anyone from anywhere in the country from any church of any denomination and of any size, but it's just a willingness that they have to want to get organized within their church and speak to the issues that we're facing um, today. And so we've put together this website, and often I'll receive phone calls from people, 
and um, say they've come across my website or they've uh, been referred to me. And so I'll find out what it is they want to accomplish, and then I counsel them over the phone. We have sometimes webinars, or it just depends on what their needs are. And there's times when I can actually meet with them in person. Every situation is different, but um, I'm sought out to help these different ministries get started and and to accomplish whatever it is the pastor wants to accomplish. Okay. And um, uh, just in case, folks, you're just um, joining us, we're talking with Gina Gleason, who heads up um, a wonderful ministry that helps people develop cultural impact teams in their congregations. And so... um, so it, you have to identify at least one leader in a congregation. It's usually the person that contacts you, right? Or not necessarily, right? Who has a heart for, again, the biblical worldview of life, marriage, religious freedom, parental authority, and other issues. Um, isn't that right? You have to, somebody has to take this exactly on. Exactly right. 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 And, it's usually a lay leader. Sometimes it's the pastor mm-hmm. himself, and mm-hmm. um, they will express interest in in having this type of ministry. So that's where it starts, or I'm given given a phone number, please contact this pastor, he's interested in getting organized in the church, and so there's a, just a variety of ways that this gets started, but that's generally the way it starts. Now, do you ever run across a person who calls you and says, I really want to start this in my church, but my pastor is resistant? I get that quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that there are, are many people sitting you know, in the pews of the church on Sunday that they've been paying attention to current news or um, things that are coming out of the state capitol or Washington, D.C., and they're just very aware that um, we need people to speak up, we need people to contact their legislators, we need people to be involved. And so um, I will often hear that. But the first thing I say is, well, start praying about it and just pray that your pastor's heart would would be changed and, and softened toward this type of ministry, and um, maybe sit down and talk with the pastor about what your ideas are and the help that is available uh, to the church. So that's a good place to start. Right. And every every one of these ministries, um, once there's a leader, either the pastor or a lay leader, um, they need a team. So how do they go about recruiting a team? Well, it's not necessarily always a team, but it mm-hmm. may be at least one person, maybe two, because a church may be very small. So yeah. if a church is a congregation of, you know, 100 people, um, it's hard to, to build a, a large team. Um, but even just one person that could monitor what's going on and keep the pastor informed when necessary. But it's always nice to work with others, to have a ministry, and to um, pray together and to talk about ideas and work on activities that would bless the congregation. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a team. So we give, call it team, go, go, but it's not necessary. Okay, so uh, give me an example of uh, a project that you all have worked on. I mean, it it um, it goes from legislation to elections to voter registration to uh, mobilizing and education. Um, what? Give me an example of one that's that you got. You, it comes to mind right away. Um, I really think that um, producing legislative action alerts and calling the congregation um, to take action on a piece of legislation that has been introduced in our state. I think that's one of the most important things we do. So you know, myself and and my assistant um, or the 
our teammates. We monitor um, the news and especially legislation. And when it's necessary, we'll pick certain um, bills that we are interested in and we'll put the information on something as simple as a half sheet of paper, a little flyer, and we pass it out to the congregation so that they can be aware of what type of bills or laws are trying, uh, the legislators are trying to pass in our state, and it raises their awareness. And when necessary, we ask them to actually call a legislator and express their opinion on a bill that has been introduced. It's something that may be foreign to some people in understanding how you would accomplish this, but all of that information is available on our website, faithandpublicpolicy.org. So that's, I think, one of the most important things that we do. And there are other projects, but um, we have a very well-informed congregation, Mm -hmm. and it's because this ministry is giving the information that they need to know about the laws that will affect their family, their children, especially in the public schools. So I think that's one of our our most important activities. Right. You get involved in school issues, and uh, that seems to be, um, boy, as far as Christians go, sometimes I've been talking about school issues now for 20-some years, and it's hard to get Christians involved at the local level in their school issues. I mean, that's been my experience. Is that your experience, and, and why do you think that might be the case? That is my experience, but I find that when um, the pastor, for instance, shows an interest, and in addition, there is an organized effort within the body um, of the church to care and be interested and show up at school board meetings or whatever, there's just a culture of awareness in the church. I think that people um, just kind of gravitate towards that. People don't like to feel like they're the only one speaking up about an issue. Mm-hmm. But when you have a whole church and um, everyone's together you know, on the same side of an issue, I think it just builds momentum mm-hmm. and interest. Right. So it helps. And, I, and I've heard pastors say, um, you know, or, or they seem to be saying, you know, I, I don't want to uh, get off the, the gospel. I want to keep going on that. So I don't want to get diverted by some of these things which tend to pigeonhole our church or categorize us. What would you say to that? Uh, well, you know, for my, for my own experience at my own church, uh, my pastor doesn't talk about every issue that, is, that everyone's talking about in the news. But he does allow us to have this ministry that is um, providing this information to the congregation. So it's his support of the ministry that I think is, is the biggest um, way to influence the congregation with him not actually having to say, I want you to do this or have this, you know, here's an opinion that we should be, uh, an issue that we should be concerned about. Just having this ministry with a table set up in the courtyard or a website or any other way of getting this information out to the congregation, the pastor is showing support. So he doesn't always have to be involved. It's the ministry leader or the ministry team that is doing the work. Right, right. And that makes... Kind of hands off for him. Exactly. I've been involved in some issues on marriage um, here in Ohio and... uh, um, the homosexuality issue in some of the schools, and it is very. It just, if they'll just open up the church for this 
it makes us such a difference. We are um, coming up on a break, and just in case you're joining us, we are talking with Gina Gleason, who is the um, director, executive director of Faith and Public Policy, which is helps people in congregations establish cultural impact teams where your church and your congregation can make a huge difference on some of these issues. And if you're interested, faithandpublicpolicy.org is the website you should go to. So um, stay with us here on Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and we will be returning and talking more about cultural impact teams in your churches in just a moment. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. Um, if you're like me, you are probably sometimes uh, very interested in the uh, current cultural issues going on, and you're thinking, I sure wish my church or churches in general would get more involved because we could sure change the trajectory of what's going on. Um, and I don't want to be overly critical. I know there are plenty of churches that and congregations that do get involved, but but yeah, you know, it would be really nice. But you need specific guidelines and steps, and that's what we're talking about today with Gina Gleason, who is executive director of Faith and Public Policy, and she has been working in um, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California, but she works with uh, congregations all over the country, and Gina. Um, I met you first when you came to our church for a um, uh, seminar that we were giving, and you were just there at, to attend and network and so on. And um, I've seen you at number a number of things, most recently at the Values Voter Summit, Summit in uh, Washington with Family Research Council. You work with Family Research Council quite a bit, right? I do. I've been invited throughout the years to speak at their pastors' conference and, of course, the Value Voters Summit. I uh, lead a workshop on how people can get organized in their churches. Yeah, and you you get a lot of interest there, and I'm sure follow up people follow up on that with you. Correct? Yes, definitely. Yeah, and people could can uh, find out a lot about uh, you by going to faithandpublicpolicy.org. And that's a website. I also have the website realimpact.us. Is that your... Yes, that's that, your... that is our actual Culture Impact Team website for my own church. For your own church. Okay. Well, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Um, so, okay, one of the big questions, and I hear this even from a few pastors, saying, well, we can't get involved in issues and we can't take political stands and get involved in elections. What do you say to that? What's the actual law? Well, I think people would be surprised at how many laws we do have on our side in our favor for us as a church to speak up to the issues. I mean, it says that we can actually lobby our legislators. It says that we can actually uh, engage in elections. And there's just so many rights that we have as a church. But because for the most part, society has said to the church, you remain behind your church walls and you shouldn't have a voice and, and address some of these issues that people have really bought that, I would say, lie, bought that lie that um, churches have to remain silent. No, we do not. If that were the case, um, my pastor would have been put in jail 
many, many years ago. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, it's real interesting because uh, the more liberal churches, the non-Bible-believing churches, and I mean, I, I, I'm not labeling people, that's what they call themselves, that they don't believe uh, the authority of Scripture, uh, and who tend to support the more liberal issues and candidates, just ignore that all the time. They have people speaking from their podium who are presidential candidates. Well, we've seen that many times, and we wonder why the um, you know Bible-believing churches are so afraid to, to speak up. And, and just as long as you're uh, following uh, IRS guidelines, which are really easy to understand and available for anyone, um, there, there isn't any reason why we shouldn't speak up, because we are talking about the things that the Bible talks about. So why shouldn't we? Right. Right. And so one of the things that can be done in a church, and this was done, I think, quite well nationally, actually, in the 2016 presidential election, is voter registration. Um, I think there was a huge push throughout congregations all over the country. Am I correct on that? Exactly. I, I have helped churches across the country get voter registration drives started. I explained to them how simple it is. You can go to your county registrar's office and get the guidelines for, for each county, and that you, for whatever county you live in. And the rules are simple. Anyone can do it. You can set up a table in the church courtyard or foyer and register people to vote. Yeah, and it, it is critically important. How, how important is it for people to vote who are, are believers? I mean, it's... Well, I think that um, we have already seen the evidence. Uh, we don't have enough Christians voting. Maybe this last election and the presidential election, we had more Christians voting than ever or, or in recent history. But I, I really think that the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview that we hold to is is uh, important for shaping culture. And so if a Christian takes the values that they possess and goes into the voting booth and votes according to their biblical values, I think we'd have a different country. Absolutely. Um, and legislate, uh, legislative guides, uh, those are incredibly important when you get down to an election, right? Tell, tell people about those. I think a lot of people, even though they've been around for a long time, a lot of people have not seen those in their churches. Are you talking about voter guides? Voter guides, yes. Voter guides, yes. yes. Voter guides. Well, there are national organizations that will... Um, distribute presidential voter guides for um, the election every four years, and then state organizations distribute statewide voter guides for you know general uh, uh, offices like governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state. Um, but not too many churches or organizations distribute voter guides for local elections, school borders, right. council races, and that's one thing that we get very involved in, and we encourage other churches oh, to be involved in. That That's very important because that's where these people that, uh, you know, the training ground for the future leaders is so often. And if we don't get it, get them there and plant people that are, again, as much as possible, have our values, um, it can get away from you because you aren't developing the grassroots. Exactly right. I and mean, we've seen it in every community across the country, you know, start off People start off with the city council or a school board, and they move up to the next, you know, right. assembly or senate, what, whatever the office may be, and they gain more influence and name recognition. And it's great if they share share our values, but if not, well, they're just moving up and becoming more powerful right. and bringing us the laws that we disagree with. Right, and the school boards are one thing that 
boy, we really need to get hold of school board elections. And it's very hard sometimes to find out what people believe and when they're running for school board. You know, what kind of, it's a, if they're a brand new person, if there's no track record of, you know, policies they've passed in the past. And uh, that becomes critically important as we face so many of these issues. But Gina, give out your website again. We are running out of time once more. It's, it's faithandpublicpolicy.org. Okay, and be sure and uh, go there, and people can contact you from the website? Yes, they can. They can send an email, and it comes directly to me. Okay, wonderful. I just uh, ask our our listeners to pray for your ministry, uh, your ministry to the ministries, and that more people would come to you, and uh, I urge people to go to their pastors and try to get involved and do this themselves in your in your churches. Folks, do this, and... Uh, you know, this is something we should be taking on. We should be on top of these issues. We should be educating others and voting our values because it is critically important for our children, for our grandchildren. And uh, so, friends, I just ask you to pray for all of this. Pray about your role. Maybe you have a role here that God is calling you to, and that's why you're listening to this program today. So just remember, folks, just remember, let's stay on top of these things because with God, all things are still possible. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.